Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, welcome to I've Never Said This Before with me, Tommy D'Addario. Today's guest is actress and New York Times best-selling author, Hillary Burton Morgan. Hillary is best known for playing Peyton Sawyer on One Tree Hill and Sarah Ellis in White Collar. She's also a former VJ of MTV's Total Request Live, aka TRL. Yes, my millennials listening, I know you know TRL very well. But something that Hillary is most proud of, and rightfully so, because, oh, it is absolutely fantastic. It's her second book called Grimoire Girl, A Memoir of Magic and Mischief. This is a book for anyone who wants to create a more meaningful existence. Now, since childhood, Hillary has felt a calling to record and keep and catalog life in all of its strange wonder. Yeah, it was a whimsical habit with really no clear goal at the time, but then she became a mother and the importance of all of that collecting, well, it just snapped into focus. She realized that over all of those years, she was crafting a grimoire. Now this is Hillary's most intimate book yet where she shows us how we too can look at the elements of our lives and collect the pieces into a tangible collection of a lifetime of learning. How beautiful is that? There is so much heart and soul in this book and of course, so much magic. Oh, I could have talked to Hillary for five more hours. You know when you meet someone and you just connect, right? Almost as though you've known each other forever. Well, that's how this felt. So. Get a warm beverage, cozy up with a blanket, and let's see if today we can get Hillary to say something that she's never said before. Hillary, how are you, my friend? I mean, I'm trying to behave myself, which is always an adventure. (laughs) Well, do we have to behave ourselves? You know, it's back to school, which always makes me feel kind of frisky because it's like, I don't know. It's a new beginning. It's like, who am I going to be this year? I don't know. Oh, I like that. A new beginning. Are you happy it's back to school? Does mama need a little break? Well, no, but I was that kid that like loved back to school. 
Like I loved it. And I think that the bio rhythm of my life has always maintained back to school energy because mm. it was when we would go back to work on, on the TV shows I worked on and you'd film through like the school year and then have summers off. So as an adult, I still feel like I'm in 10th grade and I'm just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> I go feel... back to school shopping, get some cool cardigans. Is anything better than that? I was the geek who's like, mom, take me to Staples and let's get fun binders. Oh my, putting together binders with all the dividers and that Ooh. shit, like the little pencil bags. I live for it. You what? live for it. This I'm telling you. So when I read your book, which we're about to get into, I finished it and I said to my husband, I feel like Hillary and I are like solely connected because we view life in, in <laughs> so many of the same ways and I have so many... I'm going to call them little quirks about life that we're going to talk about. And I just, I love how you view, you know, everyday life. I think it's a magical thing. So uh, your book, Grimoire Girl, Creating an Inheritance of Magic and Mischief. (laughs) You saw my tweet about it. And I meant- That was so nice. Thank you. Well, I meant every word. It really brought me back to a place- of my youth and childhood and things that I haven't thought about in quite some time or smells I haven't smelled in some time. I mean, it was such a visual and reactive book for me. And it reminds you to appreciate the simple things in life. There are so many beautiful themes in this book. And it really grounded me after reading it. And it was it was a transformative experience. And I'm not kidding. Oh, like, <laughs> it, it was. It wasn't. I know that sounds so maybe silly for people listening thinking like oh how can a book be that transformative but listen to this interview and you will understand so what is a grimoire let's kick off by talking about that and what is this book about i mean so a grimoire is a book of knowledge that was historically kept usually by women who would put their recipes in there any plant knowledge they had any kind of religious knowledge that they wanted to accumulate. It was really a place to keep the tidbits of information that would keep you alive. Mm. And as we know, through some of our darker history, a lot of women were persecuted for keeping things like this because it was indicative of witchcraft. You know, women who retained knowledge were vilified in a lot of situations. And so to keep a grimoire today And to be kind of out in the open about it is a bit of a rebellion and a testament to never going backwards to those dark ages. And for me, I didn't even realize that I was keeping grimoires my entire life. I started journaling as a child just because it's like an activity they make you do in second grade, right? You're like, my favorite color is. (laughs) And I found probably the first grimoire I ever, ever worked on in first grade. And it was just a book of things that I like. Mm. And in it, I wrote that my favorite color was black, that I loved the doors, and that I loved witches in October. And it was startling for me to see that as an adult because I was like, yeah, that all holds up. I have not changed since I was six years old. So yeah, this book was really just about encouraging other people to speak their truths and record their truths so that they can celebrate their own evolution. Wow. And you certainly do that throughout this book. I also love how you say the word. I'm so Jersey Italian. I'm like grimoire. Like I, like grimoire, I yeah, right, it's a right. grimoire. But you're so elegant in how you say it. 
No, baby, we say it's Southern Metro Grimoire. Come on. Well, it's way prettier than how I say it. Um, <laughs> you have so many quotes in this book that I love. I wrote a few down. And right in the beginning, you say that this is a book about living so hard and with so much intention that your people see the shooting star in you. Let's burn bright. Ah, Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that. that was specifically in regard to uh, I saw shooting stars for the first time ever in my life and then lost a couple people rapidly back to back. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about how we are all made of stardust, about like what makes up a human body mm-hmm. and is it cosmic and is it the product of stars and I like this idea that energy is everlasting. I like this idea that matter is ever evolving. And so the marriage of science and mythology and just sensitivity, just like human emotion, I think factoring that in makes all the other disciplines much more palatable and enjoyable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that this is a book that's very much about creating a meaningful existence. And that's a lesson that I think is often lost along the way because we get so wrapped up in everyday things and sometimes admittedly material things. And, you know, we lose that focus. And I think that you bringing that message to the forefront is so important. Well, thanks. I mean, look, I think uh, working at TRL was probably a very formative experience for me because as a young person, as a teenager, I got to see every single person who is at the top of their game, Mm. right? whether it was athletes or musicians or actors or Olympians, like whatever, they all came through that funnel. And when the cameras are not rolling, you get a much better sense of what's real and seeing like behind great Oz, you know, I got to see the man behind the curtain and the idea that any accomplishment was going to make you feel fulfilled was immediately dashed. You know, my childhood hopes were destroyed on the rocks of TRL Um, (laughs) because I knew that happiness and fulfillment really had to come from something different, that success was not going to be the be all end all. And this is such a side tangent, but I work on Extra, the entertainment news show, and I, I interview a lot of people like you did at TRL, and I see the same themes. And it makes you step back and think, wow, like I love what I do, but I can't let that solely define me. There has to be other things that fuel me and spark me and interest me and excite me. And I'm all about the connection, real connection. And I gather you very much are too. The other thing is that it becomes kind of humiliating that the thing you place so much importance on, you know, like TRL, which was the biggest show in the world for a minute there, my son's friends have no idea what that is. They have no idea what MTV is. Right. They've never heard the term VJ before. And so these things that we build our identities on are ephemeral. Mm-hmm. They're not forever. And so finding the things in yourself that will go on, the mischief in you, that's something you can retain as like a hundred-year-old person sitting in a rocking chair. When you keep your mischief, you keep your identity. Yes. Oh, my God. Say that again. Yeah. When you keep your mischief, you keep your identity. You have to hold on to that. I love that so much. All right. So let's get back to creating a grimoire. How do we go about that? For those listening who said, all right, I want to start getting my feet wet with this. What do we do? Okay. So you can start off really, really small. You can start off with a spiral notebook if that's what you have at your disposal. You can grab, steal some printer paper from work, you know, keep it really simple. 
try to write down a couple interesting tidbits that happen each day, whether it's something funny Mm. or something totally weird. And then as you read other books, as you hear songs, as you experience poetry or experience any kind of beauty in the world, record those things because we all know inevitably in this life cycle, we will go through lows. And when you have this little nostalgic tool with you, this little grimoire, you're able to revisit the highs in the midst of the dark lows. And it becomes a really important tool just for your headspace. You know, we all did it during the pandemic. We were locked in. There was a lot of depression. There was a lot of isolation. Yeah. And people resorted to going back through old photo albums or watching the old TV shows that were comfort TV shows. And so providing yourself with a tool like that's really important. And then if you want to get fancy and artsy fartsy, I like using sketchbooks because they don't have any lines and you can just doodle all around the things that you're writing. If you don't know the name of a plant that you see that you like, just draw a picture of it and then Mm. you can figure it out later. The lack of lines gives you more freedom to explore and express yourself. And then as you gradually grow as a grimoire keeper, you can get the leather-bound notebooks. Ooh, Ooh, honey, listen, if you want to go to a Renaissance fair, that's happening right now (laughs) in New York. It's in Tuxedo. They have booths and booths and booths full of bejeweled grimoire. You know, depending on how much you want to commit to it, there are resources for every commitment level. And you say use pen, not pencil, right? Totally. Something I found as a teenage grimoire keeper is that I used to go back and erase stuff because, you know, you'd change your mind about who you had a crush on, or you would change your mind about a feeling and then go back two years later and try to rewrite history. And I think it's very important to honor where you are at any given time and keep it. And you can certainly grow out of those phases, but Keep it as a memory because your journey is something you should be proud of, not something that you should be trying to erase. Yeah. And we have to celebrate all those moments of our lives, even if even they the weren't the best. the tacky ones. Yeah. We've all had them. The tacky ones. Ooh, I mean, there are things I wish I could erase, but they're there. They're there forever. Yes, they are. Well, and I love that you celebrate all of the moments, the good and the bad. And something else you celebrate, which I so connected with, and I just think this is a really fun thing to bring up, is this idea of creating your own personal holidays. And I love that. I've been doing that my whole life. Yesterday, my husband and I, we celebrated our eight-year proposal-versary. Oh, babe, what did you do? Well, so we got engaged in Paris eight years ago. And yesterday, we ended up going for like a nice dinner with some friends and making it a fun little thing. But during the pandemic, when we were all under lockdown, I turned our little dining area into a Parisian cafe. Oh, see? You have to do things like that to celebrate. So why do you love celebrating these little personal holidays? And what's one for you that you love to celebrate? We're instruction followers, right? From the time that we're in elementary school, you go into school and you're there when the bell rings and you say the Pledge of Allegiance and you do your homework and you follow all the rules and you celebrate the holidays that you're told to celebrate and you celebrate them how you are told to celebrate. You know, you make the little pine cone turkey for Thanksgiving and, you know, you do the stocking stuffers for Christmas. Inventing your own holiday gives you ownership of the things that bring you joy personally. And it allows you to really make a decision about what is celebratory in your life. So 
I feel like a lot of people have gotten frustrated with Christmas and the holidays in the winter because they've become so like financially oriented. You're buying presents, you're spending money on decorations, you're having to outdo travel every year. A celebration that you invent yourself can be devoid of all of that. You know, my husband and I celebrate Timmy Nolan Day because we were introduced on a blind date at a Irish pub called Timmy Nolan's, which is in California. And I wasn't necessarily someone that hung out in a lot of Irish pubs, but this dude in all leather who was very like intimidating was like, are we doing Irish car bombs? I don't think we're allowed to call them that anymore, but you know what are we're we, talking are about? Are we not? Where you drop like Bailey's into a pint of Guinness and then you drink the whole thing in like two seconds. They're horrible. It's like eating a loaf of bread. Yeah, not good. I was not going to let this man outdo me. And it turned into our personal holiday where we don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We decorate with shamrocks and Irish apparel and things for Timmy Nolan Day, which is May 9th. And yeah, I value that holiday. I like that my children know what Timmy Nolan Day is. And it doesn't cost any money. It isn't on anyone else's calendar. It's become an intimate family story that we get to tell over and over again every year so that it holds its value. Mm, I love that because you know what? We need to celebrate more of the fun moments in life. Yeah. I mean, we're our friend anniversaries, you know? Yeah. What day did you meet your best friend? What day did you move into your house that's your sanctuary? Those are the kinds of things that we need to personally celebrate so that it's not a competition with other people as to who had the best 4th of July fireworks. I think having these intimate things is really important. I couldn't agree more with you on that. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. And another thing that I felt so connected to you on is your idea and the meaning behind home. And home seems to be a very big theme throughout your life and throughout this book. And I know you wrote that you were longing for your home, for Ithaca, for such a long time. And you write about going back there and seeing that again and what's changed, what hasn't changed. And I know that's something that's come up for you a lot. And in my 37 years on this earth, I'm discovering that it's come up for me a lot. So why is there such a focus on that word on that theme in your life, home? Well, the book is split up into three different sections. There's the home of my childhood, where I was born and I was raised. And then there is the home of my young adulthood, which deals a lot with Wilmington, North Carolina. And then there is the home that I have found for myself and my husband and our children here in the Hudson Valley. You know, it's worth noting that for many, many, many generations, you just lived where you were born. Yeah. And it's not until recent history that people have branched out and moved on. And the idea of reinvention has become very popularized. You know, you leave to go away for college. And then after college, you leave to go away and you find your first job. And then when you find your partner, you two go and you move away together. And I have a glamorized idea of what it means to live in the town you were born in. I find the people that grew up here and went to the schools that my son and his friends go to. And I'm like, tell me everything. I want to know what shitty bowling alley you guys hung out at. I want to know like where the kissing hill is. I want to know like where the kids went to like go drink without their parents. Like I want to know all the folklore of this place. Because when I was growing up, I thought those places would live forever. And when I was in high school, AOL moved its headquarters to my little tiny town of like 9,000 people. And wow. all of a sudden there was a population boom. There was a building boom. And the small town that I thought would exist forever was gone. Hmm. And so I've spent the rest of my life trying to either recreate it or patch together bits and pieces of it so that I don't feel adrift. You know, I think it's really important that you have those touchstones to remind you of who you are. So again, you can honor the journey. And today, do you feel like you've created the ideal and perfect home for you and your family? So last winter, my son was having trouble. The seventh grade blues, we're going to call them that. Uh, we're like, your body's changing and your hormones are changing and your teachers can be kind of mean and there are bullies at school. And it was just a perfect storm of awful things. And so I asked another parent, I was like, hey, what's going on at the school? And they were like, funny, you should ask. We need a PTSO rep for the middle school and it's you. And I was like, oh God, you know, I'm pretty busy, pretty busy. <laughs> They're like, it's you, babe. We're going to have an election next week. It's you. And so rather than make snide jokes about it, you know, like PTA, PTSO moms are usually the butt of a lot of jokes. I decided to just commit whole hog to this idea that I'm going to be the PTA lady. Yeah. Um, and so just on Thursday and Friday, we had back to school night Thursday night, which was a huge success. And then we had this town picnic 
on Friday where all three grade levels, so it was like the high school, the middle school, and the elementary school, all came together at this playground in our town. And my husband showed up and manned the grill and cooked 500 burgers and 300 hot dogs for the entire town. And I got to give out candy from our candy store to all the kids. And it felt so deliciously dorky, right? Like if you saw it in a movie, you'd be like, little heavy handed guys, like (laughs) (laughs) you're nerds. But just seeing all these kids like run around and squeal and have fun and the big kids taking care of the little kids and the little kids just like adoring the big kids and all the parents interacting. That's what I got to grow up with. And I was very afraid I couldn't recreate it for my kids. And so having that happen just on Friday was so awesome. Yeah. Those are the magical moments. They're not dorky. You look around and you think, wow, I created this life for myself and my family. And that's amazing. And you seem to do that quite a bit based off your book throughout your life. I love when you talked about your beach house, aka the goth beach house. (laughs) The goth beach house. house. I grew up at the Jersey Shore. I grew up at the Jersey Shore. I love the beach. And there's this one house on the boardwalk where you're walking by. And you know, there are all these beautiful beach homes and whites and creams and beiges. And then you get to this house and there's like dinosaurs in front of it. And it looks like a jungle and it's dark. (laughs) And I'm always like, what is that story? And I thought yeah. of you when you talk about the goth beach house. <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah, you just, I like to be a sneak attack, you know? Yeah. Goth beach house, I've gotten a lot of grief for, but my kids love it. I think it's so fun. And anytime we have people that have to come in there and work, they're like, you know, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Like, it's oh actually God. kind of chic. Um, So yeah, we've got a goth farmhouse and a goth beach house. And what more could a girl want? I don't know. I'm here for all of it. And I know you're also burning lots of candles in all of these houses. You talk about candle magic being your favorite. I'm a big candle guy. What is it about candles that you find so magical and whimsical? I think because they're tangible. I talk about how like fire magic and candle magic is the thing I'm most drawn to because I like a physical action to take place with my intention setting or with my prayers or with my spells. You know, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's all the same thing. If you are putting a desire out into the ether and you are putting gratitude out into the universe and you choose a deity to direct that at, having a tangible thing just really helps you focus your energy. Um, We do it in church. We kneel when we pray in church. I go to the Episcopal church. It's your ritual. Yeah, it's your ritual. And I like being able to be done with something. So if you're burning a candle down to nothing, then you can put the intention out there and be done with it. You know, talk about like pin magic with candles, putting a pin in as you make your intention and letting the flame burn down to that pin to see if it drops, if it Mm -hmm. falls out or if it gets stuck. And that's a good indication of whether or not your intention is going to work out for you. So little things like that. I think I've seen them work in real life. I had a girlfriend come over and we wrote a bunch of intentions on bay leaves. I talk about that in the book. And at the time, none of her children were in relationships, but all she wanted was for her family to grow. And within 18 months, two of her children were married and both had children on the way. Wow. And so she became a, like a double grandma super fast. And maybe it is just putting that energy out there. You know, I don't like to try to figure it out because that's part of the magic. 
once you know how the magic works, the show is not as entertaining anymore. So surprise me. I like surprises. That is so true. And for people listening, they might be thinking, so is this manifesting? Is this gratitude? Is this witchcraft? I mean, how would you describe your overall beliefs and practices? (sighs) Honestly, without any labels on it. I grew up in the church. I grew up in an evangelical Lutheran church. And then we switched over to the Methodist church. And I was the girl that was there at least two, if not three days a week. I mean, I'm real good at Bible Jeopardy. Um, (laughs) And studying biblical history was something that I did for fun as a kid, because I felt like there was a piece missing. And as I got older, I was finally able to articulate that the piece that was missing was the feminine right? So much of what I was being taught was really male-oriented and male-skewed and and through a male lens because the King James version of the Bible was absolutely written to control people, particularly women. King James had a notoriously horrible relationship with his mother, Mm -hmm. and he is the person who really kind of kicked off those witch hunts that we like to judge from the safety of today's perspective. So, Once I learned that there were parts of biblical history that I hadn't been taught, and there very much was a divine feminine element to Christianity and faith, all these other doors opened, you know, then all of a sudden it wasn't sacrilegious to question things or be curious. It was actually an act of devotion to engage in one's curiosity. Were you made to feel badly growing up if you questioned something? Dude, I remember... There were certain movies that came out. Like, remember when The Craft came out? Oh, of course. And it was like, if you see that movie, then you're a sinner. Wow. You know? Or like, even when we were on One Tree Hill, I remember when uh, The Da Vinci Code came out. Uh, And there was this beautiful Catholic church by my house. And I was like, I'm going to go try it out one Sunday. And the entire sermon was about how you were a sinner if you went and you saw this movie. And that kind of control was something that I was raised with. And so to throw off those shackles and really engage in a pursuit of curiosity and knowledge and history and just mythology, I think mythology is so important because there are universal truths that are hard for humans to accept, like death, like loss, like betrayal. And if we can tell a story that helps you understand that it happens to everyone and you're not alone, I think that that's a really important quality that humans have that maybe other species don't have. We have been gifted with the art of storytelling. Yeah. And I like how you touched upon the importance of having women's voices being heard and accurately depicted throughout history, which we all know that just wasn't the case, (laughs) sadly. And oh God, sometimes that has not changed, I guess, in today's day and age. But I like that you're pulled to wanting to share and connect with women. And you you talk about your coven, right? And <laughs> here's another quote you wrote that I love so much. You wrote that throughout my life, I've been drawn to groups of magnetic, complicated, bright creatures. They are my ride or dies, my army, my squad. You could also say they are my coven. So when was the first time you realized you had a coven? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with a group where we had named ourselves the Squatches, right? (laughs) And we didn't even realize it was a coven, but it was our pack of like fiercely female friends. And we had been watching like Miss America pageants. We were all like (laughs) on the cheerleading squad and, 
I don't know, that whole ceremony was so baffling to us. And so there was a mix of awe, but also like shitty teenage humor. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was just one girl that could not walk in those high heels. And they had her stomping across the stage for all she's worth. And we were rooting for her because she was clearly the underdog, but she walked like Sasquatch in that very famous video of him like sauntering through the woods. (laughs) And we're like, yes, that's us. We're the Squatches. We're the awkward girl trying to move across the stage. And so that was my first coven. But it wasn't until I worked on One Tree Hill that I made friends with a couple older women who very much took me under their wing at a very toxic time in my life and provided me with different perspectives and outlets for serenity and just the wisdom that they'd accumulated. And they were the first people to say out loud, this is our coven. Mm. And I remember being very uncomfortable with it. You know, my Christian upbringing was just still still there. <laughs> yeah. And it took a minute for me to relax into it and realize that this isn't dangerous. This isn't taboo. This is actually probably the safest I've been in a very long time. What a nice feeling that must have been, right? Yeah. The second I would step into their homes, I knew I was totally safe. And that was a very rare feeling for me during that time. Wow. That's that's something I think we should all be so lucky in life to find and to hold on to it and treasure those relationships and those covens, I think is truly magical. But you are somebody who creates magic daily. It's very obvious from reading your book, you find the moments and, and you create those moments. So how do you find the magical moments in everyday life, even during the toughest, grimmest times? Yeah, I mean, I think having a sense of humor is really important. I think growing up in a theater community is probably pretty helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even when I bought my first house, I remember people being like, you're not decorating a house like a house. You're making sets, you know, like this is your Victorian set. This is your Wild West set. This is your, you know, it's your Anne of Green Gables set. And the idea that we don't have to adhere to the rules, right? Whether you're decorating your home or you're making lunch for your kids. You know, I put creepy things on the napkins that might go in my kids' lunch boxes just so at some point in the day there's a little bit of laughter even if yeah. maybe the school day has been hard. Maintaining your sense of humor and your sense of the theatrical is what makes life fun. I'm not sure how I would be able to handle the day-to-day monotony of get up go to school, go to work, pick up from school, make dinner, do the grocery shopping, you know, like do all the things if there wasn't an element of play involved. And that's groomed out of us at some point. And so it's our adult responsibility, especially if you're a parent, to bring that element of play back in. You even talk about that in the book when you bring up the concept of death. And it's a very uncomfortable topic for a lot of people to think about. I know my my dad and my stepmom, they hate talking about it. They're my dad's late 60s. He he says every day I'm closer to dying. And it's a very tough relationship he has with death. And I look at him and I think, oh my God, this is so sad because you're you're wasting your alive years, your vibrant years, you're semi-retired, like live your best life. And you're thinking about death every day. And it breaks my heart. But you have this outlook where you say, 
we should even go write our own obituaries. Yeah, I mean, I talk in the book about writing your own eulogy. And it's hard for me to say this, but that is the single most important thing that I have done is keep this list of all of the things that I've done in my life that are kind of weird or that were transformative or that were really silly that like my kids will never know about. Mm. My kids will never know about like a weird night I had in Paris dancing in a nightclub with a snake around my neck. They'll never know. Like those are things that you don't experience about your parent. Those are things that you don't necessarily experience about your spouse or your best friends. Like everybody has their own personal well of experience. And so rather than let someone else write this list for you when you die of like what mattered to you, write it for yourself. And then even when you're alive and you are in moments of despair or uncertainty, being able to look at that list of things that I've done and realize like, okay, I did that at my lowest. Mm. I did that when I was really insecure. I did that when, you know, I was in a terrible relationship. You're able to see that you were able to accomplish things even in dark days. And it gives a lot of hope and perspective. I revisit it all the time. I love my eulogy list. My kids are going to be so mortified when that gets read out loud. <laughs> but you know what I love about that? It's something for you too. Like you're going to live a long and fruitful life ahead still. But when that day does come, you're going to feel like, okay, I'm putting out what I want. And you share a story about the grandmother who had Ouija boards passed out. at yes. her. All right. And that was for her. I love yep. that. The grandmother that put it like at her funeral gave out the little Ouija boards and said, keep in touch on the back of them. Genius. 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 Loved it. But that's that sense of humor. That's that sense of mischief yes. and play that she retained her whole life. And so I think the end is less scary if there's a joke that you're in on. And that's certainly my perspective. You know, yeah. I told my kids, I'm like, I could go tomorrow and I've had the best time ever. Not because shit was easy for me, but because I understood how to make it funny. Just make mm. it funny. It's a beautiful perspective to have. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's so many themes of spirituality in this book and diving deeper into those sorts of things. But there's also themes about synchronicities. And uh, there are so many in life if you pay attention to them. And you had one that happened in 2021, I believe, when you launched your podcast. And I love this story. If you could share it real quick. So the entire time I lived in Wilmington, working on One Tree Hill, I lived in a haunted house. It was a Victorian house from the 1890s. I bought it impulsively in season one when everyone was like, we're getting canceled. And I was like, eh, no, we're not. And what I learned was that the woman who lived in this house her entire life had been a very well-respected artist in the community. Um, she was a, a painting teacher, but she also was heavily involved with the theater. Mm. And so that house was a hub of activity where all the artists gathered in the community and she would throw these parties and it was all really fantastic. And so I hadn't necessarily revisited that chapter of my life, particularly since the Me Too movement, because having everyone understand your trauma makes it hard to talk about anything else right. um, maybe is lighthearted, right? Because it just becomes all about the trauma. Right. And so we're launching the podcast and I was pretty insecure about the Drama Queens podcast because we were just talking all things One Tree Hill. And I had been in touch with an art dealer, you know, over the course of six months. Hmm. And he was like, I have a Hester Donnelly painting. Do you want it? I was like, yes, please. And he was busy. I was busy. He was busy. I was out of town. Just the the shipping of this painting became a process. And so the day that Drama Queens was premiering, I was horrified because I did not know how people were going to take it. Mm -hmm. And I get this package in the mail and it is my Hester Donnelly painting. And I had the ghost that took care of me and kept me company all those years down there, finally like in my possession here in New York. And it was so good to have her artwork there. And you can see every brushstroke, you can see her handwriting, you can see the colors that she chose. And it was such a nice warm reminder that those artistic communities, if you foster them, will stay with you forever. Even in death, even as a ghost, Hester is just, that's my lady. She took care of me. Like I said, if you look for those moments of synchronicities, Mm -hmm. they happen and they are not coincidental. And you needed that on that day. You needed it. I needed to feel home on that day. And 
of all the days for that thing to arrive over the course of months, it showed up exactly when I needed it. It's funny how those moments of magic happen. And like you said, it's not our job to figure out the why. It's to just oh, that ruins it. Boo hiss. <laughs> yes. Hillary, what do you hope people get from this book? There's so many great stories like the one we just talked about. I want people to read it for themselves. So I don't want to share any more stories like that. But I wanted to give them a taste because I know what I got from this book. But what do you hope people get? I mean, we all just dealt with this huge traumatic situation with COVID, the pandemic, the political landscape in our country. There has been huge trauma. And I am someone who I like to confront it head on Mm -hmm. and not pretend like everything's okay. And I think in writing this book, it forced me to commit to my beliefs. When you put something down on paper, that's a commitment. And then when you share it, that's a commitment. And then Mm -hmm. when you share it on like a mass level, (laughs) that's a really big commitment. And I needed to make that commitment before I could encourage anyone else to do the same. So my hope is that people will take, whether it's a large collective trauma or a very personal intimate trauma, and they will find the magical practices or the ideology or the spirituality or the mythology, any of that, that is a balm for what they're suffering so that they can get back to the joyful parts of life. We get such a tiny, tiny, tiny chunk of time here. And I want everyone to feel like they are the main character of their own personal hero's journey. You know, we're all on our own journey. You're the hero of your story. So make it a really good story. Oh, isn't that the best that we have the opportunity to do that? Oh, I love hearing other people's journeys. I love it. I'm the chick that would sit in a bar for hours talking to strangers And now I do the same thing with PTSO. I'm like, tell me everything. Where are you from? How'd you get here? Yeah, I think encouraging people to live a really loud, authentic, messy, colorful life is important. You need a cheerleader in your corner helping you do that. And if I can be a cheerleader for people, that's what I want to do. It's so refreshing to hear that. I feel you so deeply on that. It's why I started the show. You know, when I work a red carpet, you get two, three minutes with someone. You don't get to dive deep. And I'm interested in all of the things that make up a person and not just the flashy headlines of somebody's life. I want to know the whys and the hows and the whens and the where's, right? All that delicious information you can't get in a quick conversation. So I I so feel you on that. And what's so evident to me, Hillary, is you are somebody who brings so much joy to the people that have you in their lives. And you enrich them by listening to their stories and to feel who they are as a human being. And that's such a gift because you don't get that as much in this day and age with whether it's social media or everyone's working a lot of different jobs to make ends meet or whatever the situation may be, you take the time and pour it into somebody. And even when I sent that tweet out talking about your book, I started getting all these tweets from people saying how much they look up to you and admire you. And I would be remiss if I don't bring this up because there was one woman, I believe she's late 30s, who wrote to me 
And she said something as simple as you posting about having your long, beautiful, luscious gray hair means the world to her because she went gray young and has been terrorized for it so much throughout her life. And here she is looking at someone like you embracing it and loving it and feeling beautiful with it. And that meant everything to her. Is it important for you to put out messages like that? Yeah, because I I was a part of the machine for so long, whether that was selling stories, people, musicians, whatever at MTV, or then being, you know, like a teen drama actress where I had to sell this illusion of what's cool or what's pretty or what's acceptable, what you should be living up to. I talked about it at the time as the new normal. I said, I didn't like the new normal we were creating. I was really worried And so that's where a lot of the conflict on that particular show stemmed from is that I thought perhaps we should be less cool. We should be more awkward like teenagers actually are. And then as an adult, there's not as much pressure, right? I think I've always felt kind of this weight to be honest with kids, like teenagers specifically. Adults you know, like white collar. I felt no trauma doing that. I was like, yeah, I'll wear a pencil skirt, send me up. Um, But I've seen behind the smoke and mirrors and I see social media the same as everybody else does. And I see, I can tell as a producer what's produced and is being presented as reality. And that freaks me out. And so I think the grittier and messier I can be to hopefully counterbalance that, the better. You know, women in particular are told you have to look 28 forever and you have to act 28 forever and you're not allowed to be tired and you're not allowed to be grumpy and you're not allowed to be all these things. And God damn it, I'm going to be every single one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, good on you, because that's a message we need more and more in this world. As we wrap up today, the name of the show is, of course, I've never said this before. Ooh. And you are someone who has been so open and honest throughout your books and interviews and on social media. But I'm wondering if there is something, whether it's silly, whether it's deep, that you've never said before. Yeah. You know, I think when you hit the age I am, I'm 41 and I have kids who are becoming ages that I vividly remember, right? It changes your perspective about the narrative you were fed as a kid. And it has been on my mind constantly in the lead up to this book that I finally feel like I'm on the path to doing the thing that I actually wanted to do as a kid. It's very hard for me to say that I just realized at 41 years old that I don't like acting, Mm -hmm. that it was never something I wanted to do, but I got love for it. And so you learn to do the thing that you are rewarded for. You're like dogs, you know, it's like, I got a treat for that. Cool. I'll keep doing that trick. So to be able to pivot in my career and start with these nonfiction books, and then I'm moving into fiction now, that's like the next thing that terrifies me. People being supportive of that is something that floors me on a regular basis because having to discover that thing about yourself 
privately is hard. Having to discover it about yourself publicly is super weird. And so as we watch One Tree Hill back for the podcast, I can see my castmates miss it. And it dawned on me one day that I was like, I have zero desire. I like other parts of it. I -hmm. like the teamwork part of it. I really like making things with other people and bouncing ideas off each other. But I have that fulfilled (laughs) through PTSO now. So there's zero desire to like be on a set. So yeah, in this phase, it's nice to be able to do something that I wanted to do uh, that maybe wasn't as valued when I was younger. And I think that's such a brave and important thing to say. And I thank you for that. And I was starting to feel emotional hearing you talk about it because I think people think they see someone's success and that they're so happy and content and everything is amazing in the world. And it's easy to fall into the pattern of sticking to something that doesn't truly fulfill you, which I believe is why there is so much unhappiness in this world. But to get out of that and be grateful for the opportunities and what you did, which you so clearly are, but to know that there's more for you that will fulfill you in an even bigger way, I think is incredible. And I really thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people listening will say, you know what, this is a good day to change the course of my life. And that is due to you and what you said today. Well, thank you. And I think it helps us not be so judgmental to a lot of young people that we see in the industry, because I can look at a lot of them and be like, that's someone whose love was conditional. Mm -hmm. And let's be gentle with those people. Let's be nice to them. They're babies. (laughs) Yeah. A lesson all worth hearing over and over again. Hillary, ah, I love this book so much. I could keep you for five more hours, but I won't. It is out now. How can people get this book? We have a website that's the link in my bio has the Amazon link, the Barnes and Noble link, the small bookstore link. You know, we're trying to put as many different outlets out there as possible. And the audio book is also out there that I narrated, which is so weird having to read your own words out loud because you're like, am I performing right now? <laughs> what am I doing? Um Yeah, that's a fun experience, especially for the engineer, the sound engineer that has to sit there with you and listen to all of your (laughs) intimate stories. And then you're like, cool, man, see you tomorrow. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I mean, there's lots of different ways to get it. But my new favorite thing that I'm trying to encourage people to do is I'm supporting the little mini libraries that you see in towns, like the little birdhouse looking things full of free books. I'm encouraging people to buy a second copy to put in those because you never know who in your town really, really needs a dose of magic. And so I'm hiding them all throughout my town. And I hope that other people are in on the game. All right, everyone, get on that scavenger hunt. And Hillary, I hope that we have the chance one day to, I don't know, do a ghost tour or have a drink at a bar that's spooky and haunted or just all the things i'm with you there's the catacombs in lower manhattan we're going i'll get the reservation never knew that existed i'm in done (laughs) (laughs) all right my love congrats on this book i'm so happy for you everybody go out and read it and support it especially in the month of october it's what's more perfect than reading this book this month although it's year round but it's extra fun this month and thank you for your time wishing you all the success 
Thank you. You're so wonderful. I really heartfelt appreciation for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye. I've Never Said This Before is hosted by me, Tommy D'Addario. This podcast is executive produced by Andrew Puglisi at iHeartRadio and by me, Tommy, with editing by Joshua Kolodny. I've Never Said This Before is part of the Elvis Duran Podcast Network on iHeart Podcasts. For more, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And if you like this episode, tell your friends. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Tommy D'Addario. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.